welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're glad to be back with you again. This is our third show from the 100th anniversary ISM conference in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou, how are you this morning? I'm doing terrific, and it's not 100 degrees out today. (laughs) (laughs) Not 100 degrees for the 100th anniversary show. We're talking this morning with three of the 30 under 30 rising supply chain star winners who were brought here to the ISM conference. Uh, We're very excited to talk to this group of people. They are in the, uh, what they call the millennials. Um, Regardless of what they say about millennials, if you actually sat down and met some of these folks as we have, you would be dazzled. These are some bright, charming, intelligent, dedicated people that we have the honor of speaking with today. Let me introduce each of them to you, and we'll say a quick hello, and then we'll ask them some questions, and they can tell us about their career paths and how they've been enjoying the conference and how they're enjoying supply chain and procurement. Uh, Robert Kaysen. Uh, Robert is a specialist on global procurement for Ingredient. We have Pamela Tun. Pamela is a procurement analyst with Northrop Grumman Systems Corporation. She's in El Segundo, California. And Christina DeConing is a material analyst, Northrop Grumman Systems Corporation, who recently got shifted to El Segundo, California. Uh, Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Pamela, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, Christina, thank you also for being our guest. Thank you. Uh, Pamela, let me start with you. Uh, Give us an idea of what you do in your role at Northrop Grumman. So at Northrop Grumman, I am currently a buyer for the electronics procurement group. Mm. I am a lead on uh, wire and cable for their manufacturers. Okay. And so right now, you know, I work on soliciting suppliers, uh, negotiating, price analysis, and I'm ensuring on-time delivery with good quality products for our programs. And when you're talking wire, how much wire are we talking? I mean, there's got to be a lot of wire going into a lot of stuff. There's a lot of wire, a lot of <laughs> wire, a lot of cable. That's incredible. Christina, tell us a bit about what you do with Northrop Grumman because you're both with the same organization. Yes, we are. Um, as you mentioned, I recently transferred to El Segundo. I took a global supply chain operations manager role. Uh, which is really exciting. I'm able to see all aspects of the supply chain um, from goods movement, procurement, logistics, um, the financial side of it. So it's it's really neat. I'm specifically supporting the F-18 and the F-5 program right now. So oh, okay. Very exciting. I imagine it is. Uh, Robert, you are with a different organization. You're with Ingredient. Can you tell us what Ingredient is and what you do? Absolutely. Um, we are a Modified starches and sweeteners company. Uh, we make oh. ingredient solutions is uh, our tagline. Um, we're a global organization. We have uh, a number of facilities worldwide. I think the number is somewhere around 35. And for me personally, I am on the gold procurement team, and I manage all of our HR and marketing spend. Now, are you traveling in your role in procurement? So, yes, we do travel. Um and most recently, I actually spent six months living and working in Shanghai, China. Oh, wow. Wow. That's exciting stuff. I spent a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy it? 
I did. I did. It was a great place to be. I mean, it's an amazing culture, especially to see firsthand. And when you're living there, as opposed to, you know, just getting the a few days to tour, it's you really get the the full impression. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, this has come up frequently in supply chain and procurement. You know, the impression of manufacturing by most people is uh, dark, dirty, and dangerous. And that's not today's manufacturing. That was like your grandfather's manufacturing, and that's mm-hmm. gone away. For those of us who have a travel itch, and we, we think, gee, I'd love to see the world. You know, you used to join the Navy. Now you can join supply chain and procurement and see the world. Um, Pamela, have you done any traveling in your role? I have, um, not to exciting places like China, but I have traveled <laughs> um, all over the United States. Um, we have suppliers across you know, the country as well as um, in other countries, and we have a specific group that does handle that. So I, I have got many experiences and got to meet many people. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Christina, how are you finding the conference? I mean, certainly the ISM conference has introduced a lot of exciting stuff this year. Uh, is this your first conference, and this how are you finding it? This is my first conference. Um, it's been great so far. It's actually um, – very impressive. I had no idea it was this large. Mm. I mean, that being said, it is the 100th anniversary. They went through a, a ton of work to put this all together. Great speakers. It's been really inspiring being here. And I know uh, we're, Pamela and I were talking before the show, you know, we're just very impressed and very thankful for um, the amount of work that Thomas Net and ISM has put um, specifically on the focus of the supply chain function. So it's really nice to see all of those um, individuals that support supply chain here. All the working professionals in the field. I do want to mention, by the way, that the new 30 under 30 program was announced yesterday, mm-hmm. and the theme of that is pay it forward. So it's quite likely that some of our guests here today and some of the other millennials that we've talked to who won their 30 under 30 uh, uh, award and were uh, recommended uh, by in in. Uh, your case, Christina, you were recommended by Corey Moore, Vice President, Global Supply Chain Program Management. Um, Pam, you were recommended by Andrew, Andy, is it uh, Greider? Yes. Uh, procurement Manager at Northrop Grumman. And Robert, you were uh, recommended by, um, is it Bart Sarin? Yeah, Bart Sarin. Uh, who is the Global Procurement and Business Services Team for Ingredient. So I'm sure that you are looking forward to paying it forward uh, as we go into the new program. Uh, Robert, give us a sense of, uh, were you introduced to the mastery model? Did you get a sense, uh, an opportunity to hear about the mastery model? Yeah, I did get a, a little exposure to that. And currently I'm uh, just completed, actually the Friday before this, I just completed my second CPSM. Oh, wow. Test, so. I didn't know there was more than one that you yeah, complete. There's three that you have to complete. Uh, now with the new model, so the CPM, I believe, was just one, but mm-hmm. they've kind of gone away from that and focused on the CPSM. Okay. It's a three-test a three test series that you have to complete. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really impressive. I mean, the, the thing that blew me away about the mastery model was typically when when I started in my career path and you come into a job, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. And you don't know, how do, what do I do to move forward? Whereas in ISM, they've kind of laid this really cool groundwork, similar to if I go to college, I know 
I take the 101 courses first, and then I take the 201 courses, and you really have a path that you can now follow with ISM. Christina, do you see that as helpful to you going forward? Absolutely, um, especially you know, talking for the millennial generation. I think a little bit uh, we're so eager, you know, to advance and and find the next step. So when there's a clear roadmap, it it really does help. Um, I know. I notice it in companies, ours specifically, you know, in order to retain a certain amount of uh, millennials and the new workforce coming in, Mm -hmm. they try to lay out a development plan and a leadership plan and what is your goals and what are your expectations and how can we meet them? How can we put a track together to get there? Um, And I notice ISM doing that also, and it's, it's really great. It's beneficial for everyone. I might mention that uh, the 30 under 30 winners were picked out of 225 candidates. I suspect this coming up the second year, and I know that uh, Thomas Nett and ISM, are, are they'd be happy to see thousands. So I, we send the message out to uh, our listeners, who are mas- mostly uh, manufacturers, to go to um, Thomas, Thomas Nett, ThomasNet.com, I think it's forward slash 30 under 30. Right, right. And you can start making your nominations there. And uh, these are fabulous folks, and uh, promoting them along into their career paths not only help them but also help your own organizations. Uh, For us gray hairs who are leaving, there's going (laughs) to have to be somebody filling the spot. That's just very true. As a matter of fact, the statistics are that in the next 10 years, 3.5 million baby boomers will retire out, and coming into that workforce are 2 million millennials. So we have a $1.5 million headcount gap. So the real trick for hiring into your organization is you probably should do it sooner rather than later. You should probably pull in as many bright millennials as you can get your hands on as fast as you can. If you wait five years, you could have a real problem finding them, and you'll be in that $1.5 million void of who am I going to hire. Yeah, it will be tough to find good people, but if you look at at this young generation coming into manufacturing, there's some real incredible talent there. We certainly are impressed with you folks and and the chance that we've had to talk to you. Now, I've heard frequently from um, the the younger generation, you know, in my day, when you got a job, you you got hired, you did what you were told. uh, If you performed well, you got to keep your job. And you might stay in that job for 10, 20, 30. You could be in the same job for 40 years. That's not your interest. Pamela, your, your next uh, look-see at your future is where do I move to now? What kind of a challenge with next? Tell me what that's like to be in, a, of course, you're in a large enough organization where that opportunity exists. What's that yearn like to learn more, to move more? So I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of great mentors in my career, and what I hear consistently is that you don't want to stay in one area for too long. Now, don't get me wrong, they don't want you to leave the company, but they want well-rounded people who have been exposed to multiple different facets of the company. They don't want just one person who's been in the same function, you know, for 20, 30 years, because if you want to get up into management, it's good to kind of know all areas of the company 
So, yeah, I've been told that it's good to move around and experience new opportunities, and I'm really looking forward to it. Luckily, our company is big enough where I do have that opportunity to move around, and even with this 30 Under 30 program, it's helped give me that recognition, and people are reaching out to see, you know, what are your goals? What are you interested in? So it's been really beneficial, and I'm really excited for what my career has ahead of me. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious at the uh, this is a, an open question for the three of you what is what's the reaction to, with your coworkers uh as to your involvement with 30 under 30 and that you've been named uh one some of the country's uh, youngest brightest uh, stars Robert why don't you jump on that first yeah um i guess the initial reaction is jealous <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, they. I mean, they're they're obviously very happy for me to you know get this opportunity to you know come come to the ISM conference, meet all the incredible other 30 under 30s. Um, it's been an uh, amazing you know net, networking alone has mm-hmm. been an incredible experience, and it's, it's exciting. Um, it's an exciting time for for not just me but for my company in the sense that now that I can go back after having this tremendous experience and. You know, we have a lot of young, you know, millennials and talent, very talented um, folks in our organization that should also be recognized. So I definitely think that, you know, I'll be—I don't know if I'll be the nominator, but I'll definitely be advocating for some of our, you know, my fellow you know, ingredient employees. Christina, what has it been like for you uh, after you? got donned one of the rising supply chain stars. Well, initially, Pamela and I saw our picture on our company website and went, oh, wow. So (laughs) it went viral pretty quick. Um, But, you know, I think it's been really motivating for other employees and individuals to see that that recognition is given to those who will work hard. Um, You know, oftentimes we hear people say, well, what am I going to do that for? I mean, it really shows, hey, the company recognizes um, top performers or people who try. There are people out there who are going to recognize you. So I think in a lot of cases, it's been very motivating. So personally, it's been a humbling experience. Um, And then reading through everyone's bios on the 30 under 30, I'm just honored to be part of that group because there's (laughs) very impressive resumes in there. So Lou and I read those, and it was like, wow, where do we get these folks and he and I have had that comment shared back and forth between us throughout this entire conference. Um, we have present company included. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have had uh, a whole a host of people uh, coming through his company, All Metals and Forge Group. They're the sponsors of Manufacturing Talk Radio, and you look at this generation coming into the workforce and. You know, bright, intuitive, quick learners, anxious to move into that next role. Um, Pamela, what was it like for you to be recognized in this? It was actually a great surprise. I honestly thought it was a spam email at first, <laughs> and I deleted it. And my manager called me over, Andy, and said, hey, did you see you won? I was like, won what? <laughs> I wasn't even aware I was nominated. But when I found out, I was so surprised and shocked. And as Robert and Christina said, I mean, just honored to be included in this group of 30 under 30. And, you know, everyone I've worked with has been really supportive and everyone's been asking, well, how do I nominate people? So I'm re- I'm sure that there'll be more nominations from Northrop Grumman this year. That's great. Well, we'll be giving the URL a little further on into the show near the end again. I want to share with our listeners that you don't have to be the size of Northrop Grumman 
to recommend somebody to be a 30 under 30 rising supply chain star. I mean, you could be a five-employee company and still make that recommendation. So it's for everybody to participate in. And we hope to, if, if we continue to push and promote it, I'd like to see whether or not we can get the nominations up into the several hundreds and maybe crack a thousand, and that'll make it real challenging for ThomasNet and uh, ISM to to pick 30. I know that when they were going through just 225, it was like, oh, this is tough because they're all really good. So I'm this should be a lot of fun for them next year in this next program. The other thing that comes up in this 18 to 30-year-old group, which I find absolutely fascinating, in my generation it was you made it first and then you gave back. In your generation it's, no, we're giving back now as we move forward in our career. Really, really admirable. Pamela, do you have a outside nonprofit interest that, you like to pursue in addition to your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, Northrop Grumman is involved with a lot of charities. Um, on Sunday, I was a little delayed coming here because I was at the MS Walk in Long Beach. Oh, cool. So we were there. Northrop Grumman had a team supporting MS, and we do a lot of functions like that. Um, I have volunteered with uh, Cheer for Children in Redondo Beach, California. They are an organization that goes and throws Halloween parties, Christmas parties, toy drives for uh, children that are unfortunately in the hospital over mm -hmm. the holidays. So it's been really great and really honorable being able to work with them. That's wonderful. How about you, Christina? Is there a kind of a hot-button nonprofit you like to work with? Um, at, when we were based out of San Diego, we did a lot of um, the Ronald McDonald House. And oh. We would go in and make breakfast and lunch, and that was really rewarding and a, a fun event. Um, but I've actually recently gotten more involved with the academia side and reached out and started mentoring um, for the school that I graduated from. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's been really rewarding, you know, educating the undergraduates and um, now a little bit mentoring through the grad program on just career opportunities that are out there, what's after, you know, the your school program, what's next. So um, I found that to be pretty beneficial for them and, and for myself. It's neat to see, you know, where, whatever direction people are looking at. So. Well, it's certainly admirable of Northrop Grumman to step up into that corporate social responsibility role. Uh, that's a real uh, blessing for you folks working there. Robert, how about you? Have you got a nonprofit you like to work with? Yeah, I work with, a, with an organization called Black Diamond Charities, hmm. and what they are is they partner, they, a lot of times they partner with Wounded Warriors, but essentially they have two major drives. One drive is to support the families of veterans. Um, uh, you, know, you may not be aware, but a lot of our you know, American soldiers, they, their families are struggling to just get by, mm -hmm. uh, providing you know, backpacks for kids and different, you know, different services like that. And then the other thing they do, which is, I think, very, very cool and very interesting, is they work with um, with the soldiers after they get back to kind of prepare them to go into the workforce. Mm. So, like a PMP training, you help them get that certification or, you know, just some basic, you know, business classes that they, you know, you know work with some other, other sponsors and try to put on for them. So with all of the activities that you're involved in, and I'm sure you all work a lot of hours, and you have now these outside activities, uh, so not to be personal, but I'll be personal, <laughs> what kind of social lives do you have? 
of what's left of the hours of the week. Uh, yeah, uh, I think a good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving yeah. on. No, um, I mean I I love films, so I, I watch uh, I try to watch a lot of movies. Get get together with friends, you know. So um, if I can plan a weekend trips, you know, go camping or something along those lines, kind of get outdoors. That's that's what I enjoy. So you still find time to be a human being on your own. <laughs> I do find time. Yes. <laughs> Christine, let's talk about that that procurement role for a moment, if you will, in Northrop Grumman. What got you into procurement and supply chain? I was actually um, still pursuing my undergrad, and I was looking to do an internship, and there was a position open in procurement was actually with a competitor, so I won't say who. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I had no idea at the time what supply chain was. I mean, I hadn't taken any supply chain courses yet, and I took a, the supply chain, supply chain internship, which happened to be in procurement. It was a buying role, and I was, you know, exposed to – I was able to see the big picture of, you know, what supply chain does. They're involved in the front end and on the back end, so they're involved in the entire process. So I I liked it. It was a good fit. And once I graduated, I pursued a, a position within supply chain, and it happened to be at Northrop. Cool. So I started off in, in that subcontracts role. Pamela, how did you get involved in supply chain? So I actually entered school as an engineer major. Oh. And, you know, when I was in the classes, I was enjoying it. I liked it. I And I... In I, my opinion, I think I was doing really good at it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't passionate about it like uh, a lot of people were. So I decided, you know, I need to change. I need to follow something that I'm passionate, that I like to do, that I know I can do the rest of my life. And I was talking to a friend of my mother's, actually, and she mentioned, well, why don't you get into supply chain? And I think I was my freshman year of college, and I said, well, what's that? And she said, let me put it to you this way. If you want job security, you go to supply chain because every company is going to need some form of supply chain. So that Monday, I went to our business administration at my school and said, I want to change my degree. I want to go to supply chain. And I did. And it's been probably the greatest thing I've ever done. I've had so many opportunities. I um, got an internship at Northrop Grumman in my junior year of college, and I've never left. So... It's been absolutely amazing. Robert, how about you? What got you involved in supply chain? Um, fear, probably. So <laughs> I was going as a week before my junior year in college, and I was in accounting. I had been in engineering, then I went to accounting, and I realized, oh, my God, I'm in accounting. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get out of here. So um, I was really interested in the food industry, and I found – I actually got my degree in agriculture economics, Mm. Um, and I pursued a bunch of different opportunities. I, you know, had, uh, had offers for operations, for trading. Um, and then there was this rotational program, which I think, you know, you talk to a lot of millennials and you talk to a lot of people, they absolutely love them. Uh, mm-hmm. I would be, you know, an advocate for them as well, because it gave me the opportunity to learn a lot about the organization, learn a lot about the function itself, and then decide, and during that rotational period, you know, if I want to be here and if this is something I'd like to pursue for my career. There's enough uh, emphasis in the schools that you've attended 
or on a even on a, a, a more of a global basis, is there enough emphasis about supply chain uh, uh, activities within the schools, Robert? I don't think so. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of people are going to find when they get out of, you know, when they get out of university is it's very difficult to find a job most of the time, and there's so much opportunity in supply chain that I think people aren't aware about, and that's because it isn't advertised enough. Yeah. In school, everyone kind of pushes you to, oh, well, I went to Purdue, so everyone pushes you to engineering, but, um, you know, outside of engineering, then it's just like the business school, and, yeah, you can uh, you get into the business school, and there's a lot of different options you can take, but uh, I think there should be more focus on, on that. From the earlier, you know, earlier age. And, and less in accounting. Yes, absolutely. Christina? You know, I would agree with you that early on in my education, I was unaware of supply chain. Um, but the trend I've been seeing is it's definitely increasing in terms of it's gaining momentum. You know, people are more aware of what supply chain is. There's more college programs focused for supply chain professionals. Um, I know I got my master's at the University of San Diego. Um, and supply chain management specifically. And there's uh, a few schools now that are offering just that specific degree. I know um, they also do an undergrad program, but ASU out here, I believe, does both as well. Uh, so schools are beginning to put um, a, a serious emphasis on it because it's there's such a demand in the field. There really is. Pamela, how about Cal Poly? Was there a, a specific course of study for supply chain? So there wasn't an actual degree for supply chain, but they do have two um, undergraduate degrees, technology and operations management, and the second degree is e-business. Both of them have a track in supply chain, and I was lucky enough to um, complete both degrees in that supply chain track while I was there. Both degrees? Both degrees. Yeah, when we're talking about millennials being very bright folks, uh, we're, we're meeting some of these folks, masters, double degrees, uh, really very impressive work. I didn't have quite that experience in college, so I, I can't brag on what I accomplished there to come out with multiple <laughs> degrees. I, I did a four-year program in seven years. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you have accomplished a, a lot in your careers in, in, in a short span of time. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish, Robert, let's say in the next five years, looking forward in your career? Yeah, um, the next thing that I'm really looking to try to tackle is I would like to get some leadership opportunity from a, a manager standpoint. I don't currently have any direct reports. Um, you know, obviously, when you're in you know, procurement or supply chain, you have a lot of opportunity to lead teams and everything along those lines, which can be very difficult, but also very rewarding. And that's kind of led me to think that my next step that I would like to see for, for my future, maybe, you know, I don't know the, the exact time frame, but I would like to get some reports and kind of grow and develop myself that way. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Christina, you are managing people. You've got a, a group that you are now in charge of. Yes. How is that experience? It's good. It is my first leadership position. Um, I was very eager for the chance, and I'm I'm liking it so far. I, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on people. Mm -hmm. So when you get to that role, you really have to, you know, manage the tasks at hand, but understand people first. People, you know, we just got out of another session, and and people are are the world. That's that's what the most important thing is. So how do you motivate each individual on your team? Because everybody's motivated differently. 
some people want to put in just their eight hours and go home, and that is perfectly acceptable if they're performing their job. And some people want to move to the next step, and they want to progress. So how do you keep them challenged and give them the opportunities um, to, per- to you know, um, proceed with that and really have their career take off? So it's been a, it's a great experience, and I hope to continue um, to help others along and you know, I, I had many mentors. I still have many mentors, and I hope to give back to others the same way that it's been given to me. Great. Uh, Pamela, how about you? What do you see for yourself in the next five years? What are you looking forward to? So I have always been interested in project management. It's an ultimate goal of mine. So I'm hmm. hoping within the next five years I could really look to working directly to a program and kind of doing those initial stages of project management. Well, certainly, Northrop Grumman takes on some very serious projects like the F-18. This is no minor deal, so it's really very impressive. We're going to step out for a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with our three thirty under thirty rising supply chain star winners here at Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to ThomasNet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are here at the 100th anniversary ISM conference in Phoenix, Arizona, the Institute of Supply Management. I have to say this is a really class conference. This is a uh, such a professional organization, and the people that we're talking to are truly, uh, really polished individuals. We are here with uh, my co-host, Lou Weiss, who is the show sponsor through his company, All Metals and Forge Group, and with three of the 30 under 30 rising stars, uh, Christina DeConing, 
Pamela Tun and Robert Kaysen. Uh Let me go back to you, Pamela, in, in your um, career path in Northrop Grumman uh, and your interest in managing a project. Is there a particular project right now at Northrop Grumman that's good? And don't give away any corporate secrets. That's not what we're after. That kind of you go, wow, that's a cool project. You know, Northrop Grumman has so many, like you said, cool programs that we have. And I I honestly couldn't pick just one. I would be honored to work for any of them. They're all, you know, very amazing, so technical. Just the quality that Northrop Grumman is able to produce is incredible. So I don't think I could pick just one. I would be honored to work on any of them. I can appreciate that. I mean, a lot of the things that we're experiencing that, that Lou and I experienced in our lifetime, for instance, the first computer, we're in a conference room that's probably 30 feet wide and maybe 70 feet long. That was the size of the first computer, and it took up the entire room, and it was all made with very large tubes, and it threw off so much heat that it was just an incredible machine. And by the way, for those of you who may not know it, the term bug in the computer happened to come from a moth that flew into one of those large computers and shorted it out. And that's where the term, my computer has a bug, actually came from. Now we see things that, I have a smartphone in front of me that has more intelligence than the the man trip to the moon. I mean, that's astonishing. And those are the kinds of things that we see coming out of uh, two industries. One is space exploration, and one is defense. You know, as much as people go, ah, do we don't need the defense industry, I, I got news for you. Defense isn't just defense. It's more about a development of technology in the United States. Christina, how are you finding the excitement of being in the defense industry? You know, it's, it's very exciting um, to be a part of something that's much bigger. You know, that's when I started working at Northrop Grumman and you see our commercials, I mean, you get goosebumps, mm-hmm. you know, you're supporting the warfighter, no matter what platform you're on, you know, when you see a plane launch or a satellite launch for the first time to know that you did something that was a part of that. It's just a very, it's a, it's a very gratifying feeling. And that's by the way, very common. And one of the things that people might miss about the manufacturing industry that when you're in manufacturing, you actually see something like that, a satellite launch, and you, you can say to yourself, you know, I was involved in the wiring and cable that went into that. I mean, I can almost reach out and touch what I really did. That's an exciting place to be. Let's talk about food for the moment, uh, Robert. Um, you, are you sourcing just in the United States, or are you reaching past the boundaries of the United States? Absolutely, yeah. We're a, we're a global organization, so uh, in my Current role, um, you know, it's I'm the global HR and marketing lead, so you know that that goes for all of our locations worldwide. Um, and yeah, you get all the the challenges and rewards that go along with sourcing in different countries, and you know everything everything that kind of goes along with that. Any particular challenges you ran across in China in terms of sourcing? terms of source. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, lot, lots of problems that I ran into <laughs> living in China. But um, uh, in terms of sourcing, uh, let me think here. I think it's just really getting the understanding of how to act and um, behave in those meetings. Mm-hmm. So when you're, you know, we ran a lot, I ran a bunch of projects and leading negotiations 
through translators and you know recognizing that it, it, it we don't uh, you don't operate the same way in China as you do in the United States you know I can't just start the meeting you know we need to have the most uh, senior individuals start the meeting regardless if I called it or not um, hmm. and a lot just a lot of other um, I guess nuances you don't think about necessarily but right. Once you know them and you you realize how important it is to one respect um, the the culture that they've created um, wherever that may be, um, it, it's really it's really meaningful and rewarding in my opinion. So let me ask you, Robert, how much fire water have you had in China? Uh, probably too much to talk about on uh-huh. this show. Here. I know that one of the things that comes up repeatedly in the supply chain industry, and it's almost regardless of the size of the manufacturer, but one of the challenges that manufacturers here in the U.S. have who are importing product is they might they might shake out their their top tier supplier, but they might not shake out the second tier supplier who might be behind the primary, or even going back another level. Have you gone back deep into your supply chain to, to to manage or monitor those kind of suppliers to make sure that they're up to snuff so they're feeding the right product all the way through? Yeah, we have a, a very rigorous auditing um, you know, process mm-hmm. that uh, you know Ingredion uses. And actually, one of the the very cool and interesting things I did when I was over in China was we brought in every single supplier. And we ran a business conduct and ethics uh, training. You know, I put on with my uh, mm-hmm. my you know colleague over there. Obviously, it was in it was in Mandarin. Uh, the majority of the, right. the the people in the room didn't speak English, so I didn't lead too much of it. But um, uh, it's definitely important. I think, especially in some of those you know other global countries you know, like China, there's a lot of situations where. You deal with an, uh, with a company or an organization, and it's really just a a front. And I don't say that in the way that I think you typically understand. Yes, would take it in the United States. But what I mean is that they represent a lot of you know smaller suppliers, mm-hmm. and they're brokering out a lot of whatever you may be purchasing. So yeah, there's a tremendous importance that's needed on that, especially in the day you know today in age where there's such a focus on you know, quality on you know, yeah, everything that's important from a social standpoint. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely something we aspire to get better at continually, and uh, we do currently. And is that what you're referring to there? Are they, uh, what you're referring to are trading companies that carry the name trading company? Yeah, but um, I think that's where you see it most commonly. Mm-hmm. But additionally, you can see it in a bunch of different organizations, like, for example, a logistics company. You know, even in the U.S., we do that, uh, where you'll broker out if you can't get a truck or you can't get a, you know, um, a trailer somewhere, then maybe broker it out to, you know, a, a competitor or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Okay. So, same thing happens there as well. Sure. Uh, Christina, um, one of the other themes that comes up very commonly in the uh, millennial generation is networking. And, and building your network of you know, just people you know, which, by the way, is a very advanced skill that most people miss as they're growing up in their business career. You said it earlier. It's about people. Are you also very much in tune with 
keeping your network current through social media or just uh, uh, Facebook or LinkedIn so that you've got resources to go to all the time? You know, networking is key. Um, I'm not as good in terms of the social um, networking as social media networking as much as I could be. Um, just working for, you know, a large defense contractor, I try to keep everything a little bit more private. Sure. But LinkedIn for sure is great. I mean, it's it's a business professional um, social media site for you guys to keep in touch. So LinkedIn's very good. Um, I tend to be a little bit more old school and, you know, I like to meet someone face-to-face and, you know, have a five-minute conversation. So when we exchange business cards, you remember me and I definitely remember you. Mm-hmm. So... I I still am a huge advocate for face-to-face or pick up the phone and reach out to someone versus shooting a cold email. I mean, you're not, you have no personality when you're doing that. It's extremely difficult. And then, you know, likewise, I'll reach out. Okay. Do you remember me from so-and-so? And and could you help me out with this? And, oh, how's everything going for you? Is there anything I can help you out with? And, and those relationships and connections you make will go a long way. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to see that so far throughout my career. So, I think we're going to have Christina make a guest appearance at All Metals and Forge Group <laughs> <laughs> just to share that kind of information. Pamela, how about you in terms of, of networking and reaching out and touching someone? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Christina was absolutely right. If you don't network, you you might there's a potential of getting stuck in one spot mm-hmm. because you have to be proactive in your career. It's not going to be handed to you. So if you want to move around or you want to move up, you got to do it yourself. And the way to do that is by staying in contact with people, talking with them, reaching out to them. So, you know, things like uh, social media, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, whatever it may be are a great way. But Christina was right. You have to do those face-to-face interactions, you know, and take those opportunities. Like yesterday we were at the ISM Women's and Leadership Networking event and just walk around, shake their hand, meet them for, you know, five minutes. That's all it takes. Mm -hmm. And then you have that contact for life. So I absolutely think that networking is going to be like the way of jobs in the future. I have to compliment all of you on recognizing that early. Uh, So much is done today through email. Lou and I constantly are emailing each other back and forth. He's in New Jersey. I'm in Atlanta. And we frequently have to stop and say, pick up the phone and call me. Because email is so open to misinterpretation. You can blow up a relationship faster than you can build one through email. How many times a week? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Lou and I go through it constantly. We see it constantly. Uh, The fact that you're also talking to people face-to-face, making that effort to pick up a phone and hear a voice, that is really advanced thinking. And then that's advanced business development for for anyone to use that kind of skill set. Incredibly powerful. You are absolutely right. And it's a little wonder why you're 30 under 30 rising star winners because you recognize that early on. Powerful, powerful tool. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Anything you would like to share, Pamela, with other people who are not in supply chain, maybe sitting in uh, their senior year of high school or their first year or two of college, like I was wondering, what am I doing in college? Uh, you know, who do I want to be when I grow up? I'm not sure I've solved that one yet. Um, anything you'd like to share with with the folks following in your footsteps? 
Absolutely. Um, you know, when I was leaving high school, I knew nothing about supply chain. Like I said, I went in as a chemical engineer major because that's what I knew. And I would have to say, if you don't know what you want to do, just give supply chain a try. It's great because there's the term womb to tomb and supply chain is just that. You are with whatever it may be from the start to the beginning. And there's so many different areas of supply chain, you know, procurement, logistics, program management. I mean, it's it's endless. So in a lot of places offer rotations through just supply chain or through the company. And I would on, honestly say you need to try that out because you don't know if you like something until you try it. Mm-hmm. So why not go and try all these different areas and see what you do enjoy. And then you'll know, how you want to move forward. Internships are a great way to do that too. I know um, our company has HIP students. We bring in high school students and work with them from the start. So that is a great way for high school students or college uh, college students to kind of figure out what do they want to do with their life. Not everyone has the opportunity as a millennial to go to corporations like Northrop or General Electric or uh, any of the major OEMs. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I'm sure, find their way through the, uh, the smaller, uh, small to medium-sized uh, companies. And they have different corporate structures in terms of um, uh, going through the system and working different jobs within the company, which can be very disruptive, maybe not so in the major OEMs, but the smaller companies. They have a problem when you have somebody who's worked a job, developed skills, uh, does a good job, and now that person wants to learn more skills by now going into another department. Well, that means that the company has to now find a replacement, maybe another millennial, and go through the hiring practices, the expense of that, the time it takes, uh, retraining, and so on. It becomes very disruptive. Um, Do you see in your uh, group of uh, friends and associates who have gone to smaller companies as a millennial and any any fact backing what I've just laid out in terms of the difficulties for a small to medium-sized company? Robert, how about you? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, of course I have, um, you know, previous cl- classmates that went to smaller organizations. And and honestly, there, well, there's a trade-off. If you work for a big organization, then, yes, you get to focus on some things. You get to move around a little bit more. There's you know, a lot of great opportunities that afford you. At the same time, at working for a small company, you get to wear so many hats. You have to wear so many hats. And what an amazing development that is for you as an individual, you know, being a person that has to do do it all, you know. So um, in terms of your question on, you know, how it can be difficult, yeah, I could see how that could be difficult. I, I don't have a, a solution or a perfect answer. I think that the one thing that is clear from you know meeting these other 30 under 30 um, individuals is we do like to be challenged, challenged constantly, and, but that doesn't have to be a new role. That can be on a project basis. That can be, you know, my company gave me the opportunity to work just do some projects on the corporate strategy team. And that has nothing to do with with procurement or supply chain, but you know it keeps me interested, it keeps me engaged, it keeps me um, you know looking to the future and wanting to develop more and more internally, you know, with Ingrion as opposed to you know looking for those um, outside the company or external. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christina, how about you? And you were uh, 
looking back at the the folks following in your footsteps, the last year of high school, first couple of years of college, what, what would you pass on to them in terms of supply chain? Is this, you know, the right path? Uh, I think supply chain's um, a great career for anyone to get into. I mean, the opportunities are endless. It's a growing field. As Pamela mentioned earlier, it's in every single company. It's in every single organization. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity. And then when you talk about, you know, today's global economy, it just adds so many more positions and elements to it. I mean, you have suppliers and customers all over the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it presents many opportunities for people to work internationally. Um, if you want to be, you know, some people want structure. There's roles within supply chain that are strictly structure. If you want to be creative, there's a strategic focus, and you can help develop a strategic plan. Um, I always say supply chain's essentially mini program management. I mean, it's got every single function within it, and you can choose to be, you know, a subject matter expert within one of those fields, or you can take it at the high level and try to encompass all of it. But it's it's so unique because there's so many elements to it, um, and you can really, you know, pick which part you want to be. So I think it's a it's a great career move uh, for anyone, and I would encourage, you know, um, undergrads and and graduate students even to look at just taking an internship if it's just three months, a summer internship or a year, just to test it out mm-hmm. and see. Because there are a, a lot of openings right now in supply chain specifically. Well, certainly, family, you kind of worked your way through the uh, the college structure to find those courses to get you to supply chain. I think Lou and I interviewed a guest some months back who said at the time that across the country there were 70 universities that offered a degree in supply chain and procurement but there were 700 that offered a degree in film critic. (laughs) So I think the colleges are beginning to catch on that film critic may not attract as many students to their university. (laughs) Well, Robert could apply to that. He's a a film buff down there. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Robert, anything you would like to share with that group coming up behind you uh, about supply chain, whether it's a large company or a small company, uh, what kind of path they might take and what they have to look forward to? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I, well, I think for me personally, and it, and it sounds like Christina made some good points on how this may be changing now in terms of the exposure that's getting in universities and high schools. And um, But for me personally, I, I really hadn't had much exposure, so... I think I'll just take that that question as an opportunity to share what you get when you get a when you take a you have a career in supply chain. Mm-hmm. You get the opportunity to constantly work in teams. So if you if you like hanging out with friends and you like you know working with individuals or with other people from very diverse backgrounds, then you get that. Um, additionally, you you get the chance to travel a lot uh, in a lot of organizations. You know, always doing supplier audits and you know, really going to going to ISM conferences and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's really just a it's a great opportunity to kind of further your career quickly with all the opportunities that are open, um, and then also, you know, you just kind of get to do what I think a lot of people enjoy doing, which is working with other people. You know, being part of a team and um, you know helping guide whatever project or process you're you're working on to its end goal and success. 
So far, what I haven't heard any of uh, your generation speak to uh, or say is that my job is boring. It sounds like everybody's job is very exciting, which is terrific. I, I know that when I was going through corporate America, there were just those roles that were like, oh, this is, I don't want to be in this since it's really <laughs> tough. And, and really, in some of those, the only path out was to leave the company and go find something else. Uh, certainly, it sounds like your organizations and this supply chain segment is kind of a really exciting place to be. I mean, you see everything from the shop floor to the top floor because you're right in the middle of the channel. Pamela, would you agree with that? Absolutely. No day is the same when it comes to supply chain. Every day is different, a different challenge, a, you know, new exciting um, challenge maybe. It's like Christina said, the opportunities are endless. So I just I can't say enough about how great supply chain is and just the opportunities it presents and like you said it's just every day is different so if you want a boring job supply chain might not be the place for you (laughs) (laughs) well it's certainly been exciting to speak with each of you about what you're doing in supply chain and how your careers are progressing it sounds like you're um, kind of very excited about what's happening for your future uh, I would also encourage our listeners who are interested in, in supply chain to recognize that this is very much a, uh, this is, uh, let me use a, a word, it's a kind of a classy job career or career path to be in. Uh, this is not dark, dirty, uh, dangerous uh, work. This is real heady stuff and, and a lot of fun. And we've talked to a number of the rising stars here at the show Uh dazzlingly brilliant people and and the things that they've done before they turn 30 uh, eclipse many of the things I did before I turned 60. So I congratulate each of you for being uh, uh, success stories in your organization, but also having the dedication and the hard work, being willing to put in the time and the hours. Terrific. It's clear why you were recognized as, as as stars. Now, the only thing that you've made difficult, however, is the people coming behind you have got to step it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> because it, this is this is a terrific group to talk to. Um, we just have a couple of minutes left before we wrap up manufacturing radio for this morning. Is there anything else, Robert, you would like to share with either your millennial uh, a group in that age range or uh, those folks coming up behind you that just, a, you know, a, kind of an offhanded comment that th- this is something you should consider. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll take that as a call to action for my fellow millennials in terms of I, I want to show the, you know, the baby boomers and all the other generations that we're not the stereotype that we cool. are accredited with and you know, I think there's a lot of it, and obviously the, this group that I'm setting up here today with is, is the example of that. But, you know, we're driven, we're excited, and we're ready to go do some great things for, you know, our organizations and for this country, you know, at least for this country for me. Great, great. Christina? I absolutely want to second that. Um, I really want to help us, you know, the millennials, and, you know, be an advocate for those that follow uh, to show that we will work hard and we do want to prove ourselves to the baby boomers that, you know, we're not going to be entitled and just 
want X amount of money because we think we deserve it right out of college. You know, we're willing to put in the time to work. But that being said, I do challenge the baby boomers to bear with us a little bit and let us sponge off of you. We do recognize that, you know, you guys are the wealth of knowledge and we do need to sit and be quiet and there's a time to listen and really, you know, absorb what you guys have put forth. And, you know, you're the experts in the field. And while we bring a new fresh face and education to it, you know, you guys have been mastering the field for so long. So we really do need to work together as a team to do that. So to both sides, let's kind of connect a little bit and help make supply chain the future. Great. Well said. Pamela? You know, just to piggyback off what Robert and Christina said, I couldn't agree more. I think there is that stereotype out there that, you know, millennials are lazy and they feel entitled. And I, I as well challenge the millennials, prove them wrong. You know, show them how hard you work, show them that you're not entitled and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get to where they want to go. So I'd say fight and prove it. Good for you. Good for you. Lou? From the people that I've met here, uh, you're the other 26 of the 30, uh, brilliant people. Uh, I would certainly not say that they are uh, lazy. Uh, they're energized, and uh, they have very bright futures ahead of them. So uh, I congratulate you all. And, uh, again, I'd like to just give the uh, website address for uh, the nominations for uh, next year. Uh, At thomasnet.com forward slash 30 under 30. So all the listeners and or millennials or the the present millennial winners, start putting in your uh, nominations, uh, including yourself, if you think you've gone beyond where you were a year ago. So uh, to that note, uh, thank you for being here today. Congratulations to all of you, and thank you for being on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We've really enjoyed it. Thank Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.